I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more what you make. That's right. Why don't you keep that money in your wallet? Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com is where you go to find deals throughout this Christmas shopping season. I know this is weird, but there are several Black Friday sales already underway, and we got the info for you on the savings. Coming up later, if you have been a customer of AT&T Wireless in the past or currently and have been so for a long time, there's some money that may be flowing your way because AT&T lied to its customers. And coming up yet later, I've had so many questions from former college students who are choking on their student loan debt asking me about student loan refis. I want to give you a briefing on that for you if you have them or if you have a family member or friend who does, I want you to pay attention to see how you may be of service to them. So we talk about different movements in the country in terms of the work world and life and really hot one last year that seems to have really cooled off. You never really see anything about it anymore because it was the flavor of the year last year is the FIRE movement which is financial independence retire early. And the idea was that people set a goal to be able to retire an extra early age and then modified their lifestyle dramatically in order to be able to be able to bag work if they wanted at a particular very young age. Well, now we can add the row movement, R-O-W-E, What's the row movement? Results only work environment. There are a lot of people who don't mind working at all, but want to have the freedom of working when and wherever they are. So there are lots of jobs that people can fill where they're working um, with specific tasks they have to accomplish. And not necessarily with the employer needing to supervise them. And the idea of it is that they work at their own pace, own schedule, as long as they meet deadlines, and from wherever in the United States or wherever in the world they are. So a lot of employers cannot handle the idea of not knowing where people are and what they're up to and all that. But if you do the kind of work that is project-oriented or task-oriented, where your results are very measurable, it's really, really a freeing thing. If you could, as an example, be who knows where in the world. I'll give you an idea of how that kind of thing goes on. So... Radiology is something that has to be done around the clock. So as radiologists, let's say in the United States, they don't want to have to work 24 hours a day. So radiology practices will see if there are radiologists in their practice who would like to live on the other side of the world. 
maybe staying in the United States and live in Hawaii, where they could work a shift that they could cover overnight. But the most popular is Australia, where radiology is read either by employees of a practice or by a contract firm that reads and writes the radiology and writes the reports in the wee hours, our time, but it's daytime for them. And so there are all kinds of ways of thinking about work that are different. Instead of being part of the FIRE movement where everything's about working as hard as you can and depriving yourself so that someday you'd be free to travel wherever, this is an idea where while you're working, you have the freedom to work wherever you want. Now, this can work out great for an employer, but it has to be an employer who trusts people. It can work out great for you, at least for a while. But the big downside to this, out of sight, out of mind. All the time I see examples where a person who is employed by a company but is not visible in the office is not thought of the same way, not likely to be promoted like others. And so there is a disadvantage in that what you are in an organization is pretty much what you stay in an organization if you take on a row kind of job. You just do your work wherever and whenever. I sure like that idea, though. Cheryl's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Cheryl. Uh, hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Cheryl. I had a question for you, and I wanted to, number one, thank you so much for all of your good advice. I don't make decisions financially unless I look on your website to see what you have to say about it. So, Well, well that is quite a kind thing for you to say. Oh, it's kind for you to help us, too. Um, well, you had recommended that, I, um, you, that we use Mint. I got a notice from Mint saying that my interest rate had dropped on my CIT bank. Um, down to 1.83%. So, you know, I said, we go check this. And so in July, my interest rate was 2.3. In October, it was 2.1. And now it's dropped all the way to 1.83%. And we're going to see we're gonna see more of that happen as um, the economy has slowed down. And most of us as employees haven't really felt it yet, but businesses have been feeling it. And the Federal Reserve is trying to prevent a recession. And so they keep lowering the interest rates they control, which indirectly has the effect of lowering what you and I can earn on our savings. Well, you know, I don't want to just, you know, and I understand what you're saying, but I just don't want to accept that. So I said, let me go online and see if I can find another bank. So I saw Fitness Bank. <laughs> I love Have you this. Heard of that oh yeah, this is so my kind of thing. I can't stand it. <laughs> well, you know, when I went on there because I'm 66, and it said that if I agree to work 10,000 steps, walk 10,000 steps a day, they will give me 2.75 percent interest. Like, so I looked on your website and I didn't see it. So I'm thinking, oh, is this real or not? No, no, I love it. So. Uh, you know, they, the attention getters are what they pay to people who walk 10,000 or more steps a day or 12,500 or more steps a day. But very few people are in that zone. 
Um, you know, I'm obsessive with exercise. So the reason I love this is that I averaged uh, for the prior three years over 17,000 steps a day. This year, I've only averaged a little over 16,000 steps a day. So I'm like in, right? And they, they offer higher rates to seniors than they do to people who are under age 65. But they still offer great rates, just a little lower for people under 65. But their rates have come down a little too because of the decline in interest rates. But yeah, you have to, there are certain fitness trackers that they approve. You got to let them have access to the data so that you don't game the system. And then you get the rate based on how many steps you walk. If you walk like a mere mortal, you know, it drops all the way to half a point. Well, I've always wanted somebody to pay me to exercise, so I think I'll do this. So thank you for, you know, you giving me that heads up on this one and a thumbs up. And it's FDIC insured, and I should give the website because it's a really freaky, unusual website. It's uh, fitnessbank.fit, F-I-T. So you go there, you see the offering, and um, if you... Don't mind somebody knowing where you are and what you're doing and how many steps you're walking. Go for it. And okay. it's, it's, you know, other than, wouldn't it great, be great? Because this is like a way that your uh, phys- physical health is leading to better physical health, if I can spit that out. Good point. Thank you. Sure. So go pick up the extra money. I will. I will. Thanks a lot. Sure. And, you know, I'm so obsessive that if they had another reward level that was like at 20,000 steps, I would do it. Uh, so now it's time for true confessions. What do I do if I have not met my daily step goal and it's like time for bed? Would you believe I walk up and down the hall of the house to get like the last 850 steps or whatever? I definitely have a problem. <laughs> Patrick's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Patrick. Hello, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. You're a master amongst mortals when it comes to finance, sir. Wow. That sounds like a promo right there. Thank you. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I ended up in the hospital. Ooh. And How uh, are you? Well, I'm fine now. That's a whole other story. But anyway, uh, then I went up north, as most Floridians do. And when I got back, I went to the bank to get a loan to update my motorhome. And uh, they says, well, you you know, I unlocked my credit report for them because I had to freeze on it like you told me to do. I unfreeze it, and there's a, uh, uh, a thing against me for a uh, non-payment of a hospital bill. For the hospital bill, which my insurance company was supposed to take care of. So come to find out, July 10th is when they supposedly billed me. They delinquished, they said it was delinquent on August 15th. They sent it to a credit bureau, a collection bureau. And then the date the collection bureau reported it was October 21st. So I called the collection agency. I said, why didn't you call me? Get a hold of me. So, well, we tried. 
He gave me the phone number of address that I hadn't lived in in over 10 years. And I know the hospital had my right information. Uh, Not necessarily. You'd be amazed how often a hospital database, you'll, you'll check into a hospital, they'll take current information from you, but then when it comes time to the billing department, they'll be on antiquated computers that don't talk to each other, and it will default to an old address and phone number. So my question to you is, do I pay the collection agency or do I go direct to the hospital and avoid the collection agency? Did they buy it for pennies on a dollar? Do I negotiate with them? How do I get that off my credit report? All right. So you said insurance should have paid, right? Right. Well, I called the insurance company and they held me on the phone. They called the hospital. They called that says, no, you're responsible for the seven hundred and sixty two dollars whatever it was like, is that like your copay or deductible or whatever yeah it was my copay and if i had known i would have paid it Clark. right Jeez, so here's the thing report. here's the thing with medical bills under most credit scoring models if you pay a medical bill it will no longer hurt you on your credit once it's paid the medical bills are treated as a unique thing in uh in typical credit scoring when you pay that bill in what would be a reasonable period of time which is based on the math you told me it's like within six months well it's in a couple of months and then i'm looking at your site and they said uh they don't report that to a collection agency to or to the credit bureau for 180 days and it was way less than 180 right so so you notify them of that as well say that it shouldn't have been reported for the six months, but yeah. but you tell them you'll pay, and I'd pay them the whole seven sixty two, because if that's what you legitimately would owe, owed, paid them that. But say they don't get that till in writing, they tell you they're going to remove it from your credit report. Do I do it through the collection agency? Or do yes, I go through the collection the agency. Collection agency is the one that reported you to the bureau. You do it with them. And you say, you want your 762? I need in writing that you're going to remove this from my report. If you don't want your 762, don't give it to me in writing because you're not going to get it until you agree to remove this from my report. But okay. it must be in writing. Must be in writing. When I talked to the guy at the collection agency, he said there's a 30-day cycle. And he says they can get it off in 30 days. That's why I'm checking with you. Is that possible, Clark? Well, it it, they, it normally takes a reasonable period of time for an item to be mo- removed from your report, which is usually considered to be 30 days. But again, that's not enough. You have to have in writing from them that they will remove this item from your report in return for you paying the bill. Today's Clark Rageous moment is a follow-up on something that first came up on our show years ago probably yeah five years ago about AT&T wireless cheating its customers by claiming they were offering people unlimited data but then not well isn't it amazing how slow the wheels of justice are it took five full years for AT&T to be held to account And really, they're being held to account pennies on the dollar. They've reached a deal with the FTC that they are paying restitution to the customers they lied to of 60 million measly dollars.
So I want you to know what's going to happen. If you are still a customer of AT&T, then you'll get a mysterious credit on your bill one month. And typically the way bills read, there won't be much explanation, but that's what it's for. The greater confusion is for people who, and there were three and a half million people affected, um, if you're no longer a customer of AT&T, if they know how to find you, they're going to send you a check. And I know people are going to call me and say, are these fake checks? This is the real thing. It's your money. But they shouldn't have lied to you in the first place. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main action. ClarkDeals.com is the action. If you want to know how to save money through the entire Christmas season, our deal diggers finding deals for you day and night so you can stretch every dollar with your Christmas shopping or just buying stuff for yourself. So a lot of people don't have enough disposable income because they're weighed down by student loans. And there's been a big trend on our show where we're getting a very, very large number of questions from people who are looking to refinance their student loans. And this is an area that is very confusing. So I want you to know a couple of things if you are burdened by student loan debt and you're looking to refi. Most people who have student loan debt don't even know what kind of loans they have, how many loans they have, and what interest rates they charge. Need for you to do that first. Figure out what you got in federal loans. What type of federal loans you got. What interest rates you're paying on them. If you have any private loans. What of those you have. What you owe on each one. What interest rate you're being charged. That's the very first thing. Anytime debt is a burden in your life. Is you got to know what you got. A lot of people avoid that very thing because, well, sometimes it can be a downer to know what you actually owe. But my experience is more often knowing what you got to deal with is better than ignoring it. And it may actually not be as bad as you fear. But with federal student loans and private student loans, knowing the difference is key because you have to be very careful ever taking a federal student loan and refining it into a private loan because you lose all the borrower protections that exist with federal loans for various hardships, forbearance, forgiveness programs, you lose all that when you take federal money and turn it into private loans. So there are a couple of rules of the game. One, if you find a deal to refi private loans and it's, you're going into a new fixed rate loan, 
that almost without exception is a great idea. On the other hand, with federal loans, remember the borrower protections you give up. If your job is really solid and steady, you're not worried about possibly having a pay cut, periods of unemployment, anything like that. If you can reduce the interest rate on your federal student loan by two points or more, then that's the really the trigger that it becomes worth it to give up the borrower protections and go from a federal loan to a private loan. I have far more specific advice in a new briefing that we've just posted on Clark.com that walks you through the various ins and outs of this and who best to shop with when you're going to look for a refi on your student loans. Stacy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stacy. Hi. Stacy, how can I serve you? Well, um, first of all, I want to thank you for everything you do. I am so excited to be talking to you. Um, I am looking to get long-term disability insurance because I've heard you talk about um, how that's underutilized and mo- more likely to happen than than death and long-term. Uh, or I'm sorry, um, not, life not forever, but <laughs> in in your key working <laughs> yeah. years, because you know we're right. all going to die someday, but. In your key working, <laughs> yeah, your key working years, you're three times more likely to have a disability that keeps you from working than you are to pass away during core working years. So that's yeah. why almost nobody buys disability insurance, but it is a really good thing for you to have. Yes, and I um, so I have um, I'm in open open enrollment, and um, I have the ability to purchase it through my employer. Or I've also kind of looked about uh, I looked at policy, um, another source of getting um, the life insurance on my own. And, and you started to um, name I a company. Mo- Who was it you were starting to name? <laughs> policy Genius. Okay, Policy Genius was a pioneer. And quoting disability insurance in a really simple format that you could just buy as a consumer. It's a really breakthrough kind of thing. And now they have some competitors doing that as well. And so disability insurance always was this really murky thing that was very hard to figure out and how to buy it and who to go to and all that. Policy Genius did something ingenious and made it much Mm -hmm. more accessible. Yes. And, and I actually, I recently got my um, term life insurance through them, you know, based on your recommendations. How did that so, experience go? It was good. It was really good. It, and we, um, for, for my husband, he actually talked to a, a in-person broker and um, about getting life insurance. And then we also did a quote on Policy Genius, and it was less expensive through Policy Genius. So um, it was really good. Well, good. So, Uh, If you have access to it at a place of work, or you can buy your own policy, um, how long do you think you're likely to stay at that place of work? You know, I don't know. Like, I could leave next year, or I could be here for 20 years. I, at this point, feel like it's totally up in the air. And how's your health? (laughs) Good. My health is very good. So if your health is really good, 
when you buy um, into a group disability policy, often it will actually be more expensive than if you medically underwrite and get approved for having your own disability policy because in a group policy at work, they take everybody. And so Mm -hmm. someone with really good health is kind of being averaged in with people who have pre-existing conditions. And so if you could be there a year or you could be there 20 years, if the premiums are even equivalent, I'd rather you own your own policy outside of the employer. Okay, okay. The the one thing that I was finding is with my employer, there's no limit to the benefit period um, where with the through Policy Genius, there was like, you could choose how long you could receive these benefits. Well, you know what I'm I saying? have a big bias with long-term disability that you want to have it till age 65. That you okay. don't want to have it for two or three or five years. You know, if you had some kind of debilitating situation where you were going to be disabled for the rest of your life, then I want you to know that you don't have a calendar date that you're going to dread coming up where the checks stop. I mean, most times people Mm -hmm. are on long-term disability. It will be for uh, not a lifetime. But I just want you to know that, that you don't have to worry about that. And so to compare apples to apples, I would compare with Policy Genius to age 65 and knowing that that would be the equivalent of what you could get from your employer. And if the Policy Genius is a lot more expensive, go with the employer plan. But if they're equivalent, okay. then go with Policy Genius. Okay. And are the you offered the plan. option at your employer, is it 60% of pay or 70% of pay? 60. Do they offer you a buy-up to 70? I did not see anything about that. Okay, because 60 is... Uh, kind of run-of-the-mill 70 is better in terms of mm-hmm. preserving pretty much the income you'll need, but mm-hmm. it's still great to have the 60. It's a lot better than zero. So mm-hmm. l- let the premiums guide you in this. Okay, that sounds good. And then you know the, the thing about my employer one is that it is portable, so if I leave, they say I can take it with. Just um, make sure you don't have to go through medical underwriting when you go out okay. on your own. Because if they say it is portable and can go with you, but you have to then re-medically qualify, it's not really portable. Okay. So as long as it really can travel with you, that's good. And then the question would come, what's the premium story on you when you would take it portably? Portably? Is that a word? When you take it with you when you weren't at that employer anymore, because that could be one more factor. Nick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Nick. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Nick. So you're thinking of going on a cruise far into the future. Yes, we are looking to go on a cruise very far in the future. How many years out? So we're looking to go January of 2021 with a couple of our friends. Okay, you and your friends are brilliant. Do you know okay. why you're brilliant? I Because uh, we're planning ahead? No, because of when you want to go on the cruise. Because in the winter season, January's the bargain month. 
Oh, okay. Because people are tapped out from Christmas, and there's a real lull in travel, particularly the uh, early part of the month after we've gotten past New Year's. Okay. So there, well, your timing, looking, your timing looking, is brilliant. Now, there's only one smarter time to take a cruise. Christmas? Nope. Christmas is oh. really expensive. It is oh. in December after the Thanksgiving holiday periods close, oh. but before like December 16th, there's like this window right there that's like a two-week window that is the best bargain of the year on cruises. Okay. So I don't know if you have flexibility with your friends that you could go um, in December 2020 instead of January 2021. Um, not really, because they're we're kind of planning it because it's a kind of their 10 year celebration. Oh, okay. So we're trying to be over there, you know, their wedding day kind of thing. Okay. Well, uh, so my. Go ahead. So how's how's the most affordable way to book a cruise when you need to fly to the port as well? Because we're going out of Florida and we live in Michigan. So again, January, once you get outside the Christmas, New Year's travel period, January uh-huh. air travel is going to be very cheap. Okay. Because of winter weather in Michigan, I want right. you to get to the port in Florida at least one day before the cruise because okay if the cruise leaves because the airport's closed in detroit or wherever it leaves without you no excuses and you're out the money that you plan for so you want to do a little mini vacation in south florida before you take the cruise and should we then take the travel insurance that the cruise company offers no buy your own policy and a uh, place I like you to look is insuremytrip.com, and okay. you're able to compare multiple issuers of trip insurance. But okay. don't buy the airfare anytime soon. You've got to I'll... wait till there's going to be a wintertime airfare sale, which okay. for uh, January 2021 isn't going to come up till after Labor Day next year. 2020. Okay. And, and is there a, a better place to book the cruise through, like a, a better website versus going through the company website of the cruise? Yeah, don't book through the company if you want a better deal. So I want the best deal possible. So are anybody of the couples members of Costco? Yes, we are. So check what's available for the cruise you want with costcotravel.com. Okay, I did not know that. Costco rebates most of the commission they earn from a cruise back to you in a gift card, a Costco shopping cash card, and Uh they give uh, really competitive prices on the cruise and then give you back money. And if you have the Costco Visa card, or if you don't have it yet, go get it. You don't have it yet. All right, get the the cards free to get. You'll get an additional 3% back just by using the Costco Visa card. That is good information to have. So it's quite a deal. And, you know, I love my Costco. So I think that's a great place for you to shop for the cruise. And it'll normally, with all the rebates, be significantly cheaper than buying it from the cruise line itself. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com slash ask. By the way, if you check the box there, you'll ask me your question directly. Otherwise, one of the ways we answer your question is right here, right now with producer Joel. And Joel, who have you heard from? Yeah, we got one from Annette Clark. She says, will you please explain how Orbi TV works? Is it a satellite that works in conjunction with an over-the-air antenna? It's all just a bit confusing. So Orbi is a minor competitor to DirecTV and Dish Network. And it's a very small company that offers satellite service. And there are a number of of things you should know about Orbi. One is that you got some significant upfront fees if you go with Orbi, and you've got a lot of add-on fees if you have several TVs in your house. And then Orbi is designed around uh, basically two main program packages. So Orbi is a contender in the market, but its main focus is really on people who don't have a good internet connection at their house and cannot easily stream content. So I have a very lengthy briefing for you at Clark.com that we posted just in the last week that is the latest review on Orbi, and you'll feel like you understand completely whether or not that's going to be a choice to be right for you after you read our briefing. All right, Clark and Cindy wrote in. She said, on your podcast, you advised a caller that they would have to get a truck to return a Costco mattress. That is not the case. I've bought three mattresses and had returned the first two. Costco arranged for both pickup uh, by truck at no cost and was pleasant about it too. Plus, Costco has great customer service. So that was actually a post from a listener who said that Costco would not pick up their mattress. And I was surprised by what they said. And what they said was if you ordered from Costco.com, Costco came and got it. But if you got it at the store, you had to return it. And I guess we should find out the actual real answer from Costco. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.